welcome to the first episode in a brand new series of Your Time in the Room, the Hunted Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow Brit, who is hilarious for exactly two minutes and 20 seconds, Anthony Williams. Hello! And the lady who speaks our language, except for the vowels, Michelle Pierce Denovan. Oh, really? I'm not New Zealander, at least. That was a good Adam Hill's impression. Fuck you, Michelle. <laughs> vowels. I've been waiting since Christmas Day to do the uh, the Adam Hills impression. Oh God, <laughs> because I did. I loved that Australia promo so much. Oh dear! It's all I was thinking <laughs> over Christmas. Ah, well, it's the first time we've spoken together in real life since I actually saw you in person. I was going to say it's been a year since we podcasted together as a team, and we've all been up to quite a lot. Yeah. Oh yes. What have you been up to over the past year, Ant? Oh, my life has changed fairly substantially over the last year. Um, in good ways and bad ways. The good ways, uh, probably that I decided to start doing stand-up comedy last May and have done lots of it. Uh, so please check out my Facebook page, Anthony Williams Comedy. Thank you. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll see you in um, the back of a dingy pub somewhere soon, no doubt. Yep, and I have seen Ant twice, and I can fully admit that he is mediocre at best perfect that's what i was aiming for yeah i thought it was as you well know i saw Ant both times he played in manchester and did gong shows at the comedy store and uh, at the frog and bucket and you was robbed especially the last time yeah i just thought i'd take my quiz prowess into comedy and just make sure that i never win anything <laughs> you was so robbed at the frog and bucket by like 15, 10 seconds, 15 minutes. Yeah, 15 seconds. Unbelievable. <laughs> Never mind. I'll be back. Yeah, I'm sure you will, and you know I'll be there heckling you when you are. Thanks. Ant's got his stand-up comedy. What have you been up to in the past year, Michelle? Um, I made a small trip to England. You did. To see you guys. You did. And Alex, which was fantastic. Yeah, we met up with Alex Ailing uh, five weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, otherwise, trucking along, doing my um, Survivor Amazing Race stuff. Yeah. You went out to Fiji as well, I believe, and uh, got yourself voted off Australian Survivor again? Yeah, fourth. I like the number four, don't I? <laughs> and Hunter has kind of been through a bit of a, a fun time, because after last year's finale, where nobody won, apart from HQ, rephrasing that immediately, and... Blex just apparently resigned due to the bad publicity, as I genuinely saw someone claim on Facebook this week. Oh, really? Yeah. 173 people complained to Ofcom. That's all about the ending last year. Of millions and millions of people who watch this show, only 173 bothered to complain to Ofcom. And Ofcom didn't uphold the complaint because there's nothing to do with it. It's <laughs> bullshit. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it didn't take long for you to start swearing, hey? Oh, no, sorry, Michelle. <laughs> really not sorry. <laughs> but yeah, the, the guy who was complaining at me for some reason on Thursday was saying quotes like, a lot of negative press and social conversation about the blunder and it being fake last year. There was a lot of uh, negative social media stuff. Well, that doesn't make it any more true. Try not to make the same mistake twice or the viewership will continue to drop. And my first thought when I read this, and I'm kind of glad I didn't say this to his face, but there's a lot of negative press and social conversation saying vaccines cause autism. Doesn't make it any more true. Doesn't actually mean that people don't get mumps, as there is an outbreak of at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, just because you don't like something doesn't make it inherently wrong, does it? You know, I'm sure we we would have all enjoyed it more if someone had won, which kind of defeats their point, right? If it's all rigged, and we all enjoy it when somebody wins, why would you do a season where someone doesn't win? Exactly. You wouldn't deliberately do that. No. And then there were people moaning that they all have to go on the run with nothing on their back. That's not even a disadvantage. That's literally how fugitives would would go on exactly. the run in real life. But also, outside of the initial awkwardness of, I've literally got nothing on me... It means they have to return home pretty quickly. So, yeah, that helps the hunters a little bit. But unless HQ beat them to their own homes, they don't know what they're looking for. No. That's that's the thing. As we found out this week, 
if HQ can find the bags, or find the receipt from Go Outdoors to find out what bags they've got, then maybe it's a bit of an advantage for them. But if they're just having to sneak home and grab their stuff, they have no idea what clothes they're going to be wearing, what bags they're going to be using, whether they're camping out, anything like that. No, no. No, it's just another exactly. piece of intelligence they've got to get, isn't it? it? It doesn't make a massive amount of difference, which is why I was like, I'm not sure whether it was worth including that or not, to be honest. I don't know whether it adds anything to the show. I don't know. Maybe. For all the people who were moaning that it's so unrealistic and fake and everything, they're making it more realistic. Stop moaning. Yeah, that's true. Idiots. <laughs> isn't it? It is true. They're making it like real fugitives. Yeah. I don't. I honestly, I don't get why people care so much. Is is the most thing. If you don't like it, don't watch it. It doesn't matter. If you don't like it, piss off. Leave the show for the people who do like it. Absolutely. Papa, India, Sierra, Sierra, off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't enjoy the show, don't watch it. If you do enjoy it, then just go with it. You know, it it's not fly on the wall documentary. It's a TV show. There are certain things that have to happen a certain way to make it entertaining. There are equally certain things that have to happen a certain way to make it a competition. Accept that both of those things are happening in the background and just enjoy the show. So, we get quite a lot of pre-titles, actually. More than normal. Yeah, and and quite odd pre-titles, really. It kind of opens up in the middle of a sequence that feels like, huh? Who, Who are these people? What are they talking about? What's going on? Yeah. So we begin by seeing two teams of hunters approach as Ella and Jess are relaxing in the back garden. And then we find out that they all have to go on the run with nothing but the clothes on their back, which is basically the Survivor Pearl Islands twist from 2004. (laughs) And then the voiceover says that they are being tracked by an elite team of hunters and Dr. Donna. <laughs> yep. Genuinely, ninety percent of my episode watching of Hunted now is spotting Doctor Dodder in the background and thinking, "Oh, Michelle's not going to like this." Yes, she she did get a couple of points. Yes. <laughs> then taking screenshots of Doctor Dodder to send to Michelle is great. <laughs> uh, personal trainer Dan stands in front of a window, fully naked. Yeah. For no reason whatsoever, as far as we can tell. (laughs) They just decide to show him getting his dick out for the hunters. And the one thing that I kind of thought with this pre-titles bit is, there's a lot of chases in that. (laughs) And a lot that we can kind of think are genuine chases. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some captures, (laughs) that's for sure. I think we can pretty much, just from that, narrow it down to like a final five already. Yeah, probably. If we actually paid attention. And And one thing to say before we properly start the episode as well is the fact that, for the first time in a long while, I know nothing about this series. I don't know who got posters. I didn't know anyone who was actually there. I know one thing about the entire series, which is that someone was at the Liverpool Champions League parade. Right. That's it. Yeah, that's one more thing that I know. I, I really purposefully stayed away from everything this year. Same here. So, for once, we can actually make genuine predictions. Yep. Not that we didn't in previous years. I sort of knew who got posters, but I'm more looking for who's going to win than anything. Mm -hmm. So the ten fugitives are dropped off in Bristol, and HQ are tipped off before they arrive, because this show is fake. (laughs) And friend of the podcast, Colin, gets a speaking part and basically starts the entire episode, which is nice for him. Yeah. I don't think I actually mentioned this when we met up in London, but I actually have a bobble hat from Colin's company now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you should have worn it. I did. I had it in my bag and everything. It's just not cold enough for me oh. to actually put it on. But it's really warm. Yeah. It's a thumbs up from me, Colin. <laughs> and Channel 4 have obviously put a lot of money into this series because there are a lot of new screens in HQ. Everyone's got touch screens now. I know, they've had a massive upgrade, IT upgrade. Yeah. I that's Dougie. That yeah, I, I reckon Doug's got onto his ethical hacker mates and, uh, and got them some new screens out of the back of the van. Yep. Ethically, obviously. It's, it's a shame they spent all the budget on new screens and not teaching people how to do the NATO alphabet. That's, that's all. It is not Papa, okay? It's Papa. Let's just get this clear. <laughs> what are you talking? I don't even, I have no idea what you're talking about. When they read out the number plate of the armoured truck. And, oh, and right, yes. 
whatever it was, Lima Delta Papa. It's not Papa. Ah. <laughs> it's Papa, as in Alpha Papa. Exactly. And Steve is deployed by Helen, one of the new people, in a helicopter. Jordan and Danny have paired up again, as are Jill and Paul. The first pair is Haley and Dan from Wigan. They are a couple. And how do people know where they're going without Google Maps? I don't know. I don't know. How do you do? They are genuinely the most Wigan people I have ever heard. Oh, man. I I think they're less worried about not taking clothes with them and more worried about where they're going to get their next pie from. I love their accents. So North. It's brilliant. Proper Wigan. There are two people out of the ten who are already my favourites, and Dan is one of them, because he's just relentlessly positive. He's a typical personal trainer. Oh, yeah. He's great. <laughs> he's great. If, if by the end of this series he hasn't said teamwork makes the dream work, I will be very disappointed. Or there's no I in team. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, what's the other one? Uh, believe, achieve. I think there'll be a bit of that going on. Focus, oh, believe, God. achieve. Don't bring that, yeah, don't bring that back. Jeez. <laughs> as long as it's not live, laugh, love, we'll be all right. <laughs> or light. <laughs> live, laugh, light. But yeah, he just cannot switch off his PT, and it's so funny. And he, I mean, I think, I think they're probably going to end up splitting up, and I think he's probably going to get near to the end, and she's not. That's my gut feeling on it, but... Yeah, I, I had the same feeling. There was, there was a little bit of foreshadowing that she's probably going to have a meltdown at some point. Yeah, but I I just feel like he's going to be really fun, and he's definitely going to be one of our favourites in terms of taunting the Hunters, I think. Oh, I hope so. He seems to be very much up for getting one back on the Hunters. Mm -hmm. Let the games begin! (laughs) So the second introduction is to the other one of my favourites, Mervyn. He's 78, and HQ will consider him low-hanging fruit. I know, it's a, it's a little bit personal, isn't it? I mean, it was Dan that we saw the, the full frontal nudity, not not Mervyn. How do they know he's got low-hanging fruit? I mean, he's, he's old, I get. We saw his pants later in the episode. <laughs> HQ will consider him low-hanging fruit, but he spent 24 years in army intelligence and wants to satisfy himself that he's not dead from the neck up. Oh, he's, he's good value. He's a good. lot of people online want him to win. Yeah, He's not going to get there, though. Yeah, I'm not sure he's going to win because he does seem to be, you know, still a bit slow. But yeah. I don't think he's going to be our first capture, which is good. No, because no. I just I want to see former army sniper Ben Sherlock Owen just really get very annoyed that they cannot catch a 78-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're going to get three or four episodes out of Mervyn. It's going to be good value the whole way. I think he's going yeah. to be brilliant. And, and then I think we're going to get one of those kind of captures where... He just sort of gets tapped on the shoulder while he's wandering down the street. It's going to be one of those, oh, fair cop, you caught me. It's going to be one of those nice ones. It's going to be one of those swelling music scores from composer Nick Harvey. Yes. Where it's just, like, devastating when he gets caught. The next pair is Ben and Rob, who are friends from Reading and Wokingham, and they've never fended for themselves before and are 100% mummies boys. Yeah, that's a great way to bring in characters to a show like this, isn't it? You're gonna do, you're gonna do fine, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Especially when literally the only other thing we see of them this episode is the fact that they spoon on the side of a public footpath on the first night <laughs> because they've got nothing. Jeez, oh, everyone else found somewhere except them because they're used to being helped all the way, obviously. And important piece of information that I found out of social media: Rob is a Liverpool fan. Oh, so he could be the Champions League dude. So he might be the Champions League guy. I don't know anything more than that, but I know he's a um, a Liverpool fan, and you know, I know someone was at the Liverpool uh, Champions League parade. Make Ooh. what you will of that. Okay. I believe Ben is an Arsenal fan. All right. I was doing a little bit of social media snooping on as many people as I could. Interestingly, uh, Haley and Dan are engaged as well. Oh, okay. Why is it interesting? Well, I don't know whether that happened before or after... Uh, after hunted. <laughs> right, okay. Maybe they can afford it now. Yeah, it, it certainly wasn't mentioned in their opening for hunted that they're engaged, so that's another suspicion from me. <laughs> oh. And friend of the podcast, Julie, tracks them all on ANPR to the start point on Spike Island. Doug expects them to appear on camera four soon, and they do. And I think production have been listening to our pleas over the past <laughs> few years and just included as much Doug content as possible. Because yeah. we, we love Doug on this podcast. We are hashtag Team Doug. 
but it was very, very fun for me to see so much Doug and to be able to tease Doug so much on Twitter. <laughs> Didn't he? I think he just said yesterday that if he would have seen the message earlier, he would have come down and meet, met us as well. Yeah, he did. Doug is genuinely yeah. very nice. <laughs> oh, dear. It's just that Doug doesn't enjoy being on camera, and Doug was on camera a lot this week. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and therefore, it's a fun podcast for me. Oh, gosh. And HQ get perfect CCTV of the start point. That's convenient. Definitely not rigged this program. It's all the effects. And the fugitives have no idea where they are and have to make their escape. I thought that was a nice twist, actually. Having a drop-off point and then not knowing where they were. Uh, it didn't have huge consequences, I don't think, but it just adds a little bit of edge. It was quite good. No, I'm not sure they'd be able to do it too much going forward because they started them off in Wales and then moved them across the Severn Bridge. So I'm not sure there's many other places in the UK where you could realistically do that. Maybe if you started in, like, Carlisle or somewhere and moved across the border into Scotland or something. Yeah. The next pair is Ella and Jess, who are childhood sweethearts. And they have no idea. (laughs) Not a clue. Not a single clue, these guys. Oh, dear. I mean, they ran out of the back of the truck in opposite directions. Why didn't the second one follow the first one? What is wrong? I know. They clearly never watched The Amazing Race. They'd have been out. (laughs) (laughs) They are the only pair that I knew were on the show beforehand, mainly because one of their mums is very prolific on uh, the Facebook Hunted group. Oh, really? I think it's Ella's mum. Oh, excellent. She's uh, she's quite active on the uh, the socials. <laughs> the next pair is Frankie and Dan, who are a pair of friends from Birmingham. Julie says that Frankie is trailing behind Dan as they run across the bridge, and they have dated before. Yeah, this could be interesting. A bit of an on-off relationship might play out. Friends and exes, and anyone who's listened to the past 297 episodes before this one knows I love a team of exes. Exes yeah. are my favourite type on Amazing Race. <laughs> Because they just bitch at each other. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've gone beyond boundaries, so they mm. just say how they feel. And they often do. And the final person is Tony, who is on her own, and she's very posh. Oh, she's posh. She's is she? So... I didn't notice that. Yeah, she's so posh. Her actual job is making oak couture dresses for people. Oh, so she moved on along from stunt woman, did she? Yeah, she's now uh, she now owns a note couture business. Okay, interesting. But yeah, she's a former stunt woman. I believe she rides horses as well. Like she's a posh stereotype, and we've missed the posh shows on this show. I uh, I love the posh woman archetype. She's going to be brilliant. She will do something insane at some point, and it'll be fabulous. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the last posh woman we had was probably Michaela off of Hamish, and she jumps yeah. into a canal. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Is this one going to jump into a canal? I was waiting for you to stop talking for to say it, and you just said it. And the reason that I mention her is because until 173 people complained to Ofcom about um, the finale of Hunted last year, she was the last person to complain to Ofcom about Hunted (laughs) because of the treatment of her daughter, and implying that she may have been fathered by Hamish. Oh jeez! And Dan is very Wigan. And he says that they are constantly under surveillance when buying a pizza because he owns a gym, so they have to sneak the dominoes back into the house. I love that. What, what preparation have you done? Oh, we sneak dominoes back into house. It's <laughs> funny. And you know my favourite bit of editing irony in this episode? We only see them eat one more thing, and it's KFC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As physical trainers go, they're setting the high bar. If Dan makes it all 25 days, is he just going to balloon up because he's <laughs> not going to have had that much greasy food in a short space of time before? Maybe that'll be his downfall. He's just like, just take me back, I can't take this anymore. Oh, Maccas! Not been there in ages! <laughs> and Helen says she thinks Ellen and Jess will lie low because of their bad start, i.e. running in opposite directions. Oh, that was hilarious. They just, they just ran around like headless chickens and then ended up back where they started from. <laughs> By the time they got there, the hunters had already caught up with them. Literally, Jordan and Danny were two minutes away from them at that point. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought, jeez, how did they get on? Oh, man. And they fully admit that HQ is smarter than them, but they'll stick together. And they recruit a pensioner to try and get a lift out of the area. 
And the first ad break appears when Jordan and Danny head towards the release point, just as Ellie and Jess circle back round towards it. Okay, that was brilliant. It was great. Just on the, because um, it's normally you that pick up, picks up on this pedantic observation stuff. Did you notice that uh, Steve got into one helicopter and then the footage of him in the helicopter was a completely different helicopter? Was it B-roll? I thought it might have been. Yeah. Because one of them ended in TV, I noticed that. The one we first saw was GMPTV, and then the the, the aerial footage was all of GOLCP. Ah. How do you pick up stuff like this? Seriously. Because, because the first time I see a helicopter designation, I go, remember that, because I want to see if that's consistent. <laughs> because oh, I'm my a geek. God. Catch them out. No, actually, actually, that's not quite true. I looked at I looked at what helicopter they were using to find out uh, what else it had been used in and yeah where it had been and stuff like that and then it was late because I'd remembered that I noticed that other footage was a different one. Yeah, the helicopters tend to come out at the start and the end points and people do get the call signs and then try and work out what the dates were and work out where the extraction point is based on the fact that we know a helicopter is going to appear in the finale and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That is how the top of the ballroom car park got identified. Yes. Is because the B-roll of the helicopter in the opener was there, and then they saw that it landed on the rooftop of uh, the ballroom car park, and then matched it up with the Frank and Harry thing. Well, is Io one of those people? Because Io has revealed where he thinks the pickup point is as well, which made a lot of people very cross. I have heard a rumour of where it is as well, but I don't know anything for certain. And only Ella, Jess and Mervyn are still in the area, because everyone else has managed to get a lift in Stranger's vehicles. Jess and Ella manage to catch a lift in a van with a cyclist, and he does not look happy to have to pick them up. (laughs) He was like about to go into the bike shop where where he picked them up from, he's just like, yeah, get in, whatever. Hmm. Um, Mervyn said the word um, right at the beginning, silly old duffer, I haven't heard that term for so long. Between Mervyn and Dan, they got like 90% of the good quotes in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> My personal favourite Mervyn one, which, if it was a normal week with the intros, probably would have been uh, Ant's intro, was, please excuse my lack of sartorial elegance. <laughs> that was a lovely laugh. Mm-hmm. He was so polite. I had real sort of memories of Nick Cummings being like that super polite guy that just gets on by everyone going, oh, he's lovely! Yeah, he, he's definitely the, the new Cummings man, I think. Yeah, I think so. And his um, no social media presence is going to help him a lot. Oh, no. we, we need to get to that, because I did not ever think they would cast someone without any social media presence. So this is a proper challenge for everyone now. Mm, I love it. You know how people were saying, oh, HQ have it so easy, it's rigged for them. Try and find someone with no social media presence, love. Yeah. Mm. And his wife's saying he's in IT, yet has no social media presence, doesn't sort of gel (laughs) together. And no one that age is in IT, because when did he start in IT? When he was 58? (laughs) No. Sorry. 1964, he started in Army Intelligence. Wow. I know, but IT in particular, when you say IT, you think of IT. You don't think of Army Intelligence, you know. His wife was my favourite as well. Like, her reaction's like, I think he might actually surprise you. <laughs> she is Albana this week, because she's my fave. Oh, she was brilliant. <laughs> and Doug correctly identifies Mervyn as his dark horse when Sherlock identifies him as a straggler. And Hattie says no matter how fit he is, he's nearly 80. It's like, yeah, he is, but also, he's army trained. He's trained yeah. in ev- evasion and escape. And he yeah. knows full well to go to Wells because it's full of people wearing Panama hats and cargo pants. That was amazing. Oh, he's so cool. good. But but also, like, he's really old, he'll be very slow. Ooh, how much actual on-foot being fast is there in this show? There's not that much, really, is there? If the hunters get close enough to chase you, you've done other things badly. Yeah, they're going to get you anyway. You're not going to but- beat them on foot, are you? It doesn't matter who you are. Did you see how he got out of the back of the truck, though? Like, any self-respecting 78-year-old would have sat down on the trailer at the back and jumped down. He actually just jumped down from the back of the truck and then started running. So we're dealing with an unusual 78-year-old. Yeah, and the other thing you do have to consider is something that wouldn't have been shown, but he probably would have had to get some sort of medical approval to go on the show, as would everyone. Yeah. So if he's not fit enough to do this show, they wouldn't have let him do this show. 
Exactly. It does beg the question of, if he's got no social media presence, how did he apply? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm sure sure he can can do something. I'm sure he's got email. He's got passwords. We know he's got passwords, so he does use does use computers. And also, the other consideration here is that if he gets really far, would he actually get a wanted poster? Because no one will be able to contact him on social media anyway. The whole point of the posters is to rattle them when they see it on social media. It wouldn't rattle him because he wouldn't see it. No, exactly. He'd have to get one of his uh, his younger family members to show it him on on the iPads. <laughs> yeah, when the, when they're FaceTiming Grandad. <laughs> I do have to say, though, as much as I'm obviously teasing Mervyn a little bit, my granddad turned 80, 88 a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't imagine him doing this. Like, my granddad's pretty fit and pretty with it tech-wise, but I couldn't imagine him going down the room for 25 days. So, more power to him for doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And in the back of the convertible that Mervyn manages to get out on, wonderful image already, he borrows a pink hat for the drive says that he was in 21 SAS and then did 24 years in military intelligence and the lady driving him gives him £5 so he can eat. He's so cute. He was quite handsome when he was younger. Yeah, yeah, he's proper, proper fit serviceman. Yeah, definitely. And Haley has another quote of the episode for V when she says that she never imagined staying indoors. She imagined sleeping in a bush, crying, reassuring and spooning each other for warmth. <laughs> She has obviously thought about that far too much and already got that list prepared. <laughs> oh, God, this show is so fun. <laughs> and Ben and Rob, as I mentioned, are the only ones not to find any shelter for the first night and instead spoon on a public footpath. With shorts. With shorts, yeah. They are so badly prepared, it's wonderful. Yeah, I don't even know how they're going to make it through that first night. It's going to be so cold. Why would they wear shorts? Why wouldn't they at least buy the pants where you can zip off the bottom of them to make them into shorts? Well, as as you well know from being on Australian Survivor twice, production probably <laughs> approved their uh, their clothing choices. Yeah, I they thought have... yes, let's let's put them in shorts. Let's let's let them. <laughs> and also compared to other places that everyone else is from, because we have Dan and Haley from Wigan. Mervyn lives in. It was either Morecambe or Lancaster, the, the yeah, setting of this episode. We were a yeah, bit ambiguous with that. I, I think it's Morecambe, but when he's away from home, he says Lancaster because people may not know where Morecambe is. So I wrote Morecambe down and it looks seasidey. Yeah, it was definitely Morecambe where when the hunters went, they mentioned Morecambe. And then it was later he said Lancaster. But they're not a million miles apart. So it's kind of like, you know, if you live in a small town, you say the nearest big city, I guess. Like Derby. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or a big city, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Frankie and Dan are from Birmingham. Tony's from somewhere near London-ish. Ben and Rob actually aren't a million miles from Bristol. They're in Wokingham and Reading. Yeah. They're probably, without me actually having a map in front of me, I would guess that they are the closest to the start points Mm -hmm. in terms of hometowns. So maybe production were kind of assuming that they were going to be um, heading home faster than everyone else. Yeah, maybe. That's my gut feeling on it. I don't know whether I'm right. (laughs) So Mervyn says that he left the army in 1986, but his wife would say he's never really left it. And he washes and dries his pants in the back garden of a, a lovely home with a treehouse. Mm-hmm. Which actually tells you one thing about his military career. He was never a Marine. Do you know why? No. Marines don't wear underpants. Ah. <laughs> Hence the term going commando. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's for personal hygiene reasons because it's it's too tempting to wear the same thing over and over. So they never wear underwear and call normal squaddies pongos for the same reason because they wear underwear. You should do quizzes, Ant. I know. It's useful stuff, right? If only that had come up instead of how many premiership teams there are. <laughs> <and> whatever. <laughs> A stupid nonsense question. Or what was the number one film in Mexico? Oof. I don't know. Oi. Anyway, fun fact. But probably someone will correct me because it's probably an urban myth, but that's, as far as I know, that's the truth. Marines don't wear underpants. And HQ are worried by him because he has no social media presence, and they try and work out his motivation without realising that he's in the army. Paul and Jill are sent to his home in Morecambe, and his wife Patricia says he was in IT, but Paul deploys a remote access tool, allowing ethical hacker Doug to ethically hack him. Yeah, it was a smart move. It was a good move, that, figuring out from his passwords that it logged into... Um, the defence, whatever it was, discount card. As much as obviously IT's Doug, 
a lot. I'm proud of you, Doug, for working that out. Ooh, smart move. And Helen says that Haley could be high maintenance, you think? <laughs> Pretty much her and Dan's entire network is based around Wigan and Standish. They have an associate in Bristol, so have basic supplies, and are currently in the Peak District. Yeah, I know I talk about monkeying with timelines a lot, but that's that's a long distance, and it, and it explicitly said they're travelling on foot. You have not walked from Bristol to the Peak District. No, it's a, it's a few days. Yeah, but why no mention of... It, it was weird that, that they almost purposely tried to give you the impression they'd walked there. I don't understand that. They haven't. No, I would assume that their associate in Bristol probably dropped them off at the foot of the Peak District and said, you're going to have to walk from here, sorry. Yeah, it was, it was just a curious bit of narration. And then hey. Hey, 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 Michelle, I've missed that. Hey, you know, hey. Hey, you know, Stupid. when you said that she's shush, when she's high maintenance, Yeah. that handbag, I'm sorry, <laughs> that handbag was disgusting. A handbag oh full of God. shit, I believe it was, it was described as. Tissues and old clothes and crap. It just looked, it looked like I couldn't even touch anything. It was all manky and disgusting. Side note, I am probably going to have to name this episode a handbag full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) That that handbag, I don't know handbags, I don't care about names and whatever, but I know it costs quite a lot of money. And then to fill it with all that rubbish and not take care of it is just... Stupid. She obviously has, no, not stupid, but she obviously has too much money to care. Yeah. Or cares more about what it looks like than the reality. Yeah, maybe she cares more about the outside appearance rather than the inside appearance of it. Mm. Or is it a metaphor? Yes. Because let's be honest, Dan is the only person who's probably going to see inside her handbag. (laughs) Is that a euphemism? Heaven forfend, I would be euphemistic. (laughs) And then we get our medical... (laughs) I can't even say this. Then we get our medical lesson from them because she is worried about getting a cold from being outside in the cold. And he says, no, that's just what science is. <laughs> oh, you're a PT, not a GP. <laughs> they actually did a test on that once. Two of your doctors over there have a TV show that is really well looked at with young kids over here, and I can't remember what it's called. But they actually made each other cold to see if they could catch a cold, and they didn't. Like They, they did all these tests with them. It was so funny. Yeah, because it's a virus. It's a viral infection. What you would get from being cold is hypothermia eventually yes mm. well i have not been cold at any point this week and somehow i have got a cold yeah that is quite impressive you're suffering as well aren't you Ant? yeah i've got a cough but i'm all right i'm okay you're surviving i'm surviving battling on it's all you can do mate it's all you can do and he says he's most worried about her getting upset she says danny's a bull in a china shop and will push her with a stick in the gym if she's not working hard enough yeah, so that's not going to play out in any way, shape, or form, is it? Nope. <laughs> Definitely not going to become a plot point in the next six weeks. Oh, she's totally not going to have a meltdown. Definitely not. And in a beautiful bit of PT wisdom, he says, you can't change the weather, but you can change your attitude. <laughs> Focus, believe, achieve. Achieve. Uh, have a pie. Have a pie? Why? Is it, is it a Norse thing to have a pie all the time? Oh, it's, a, it's a Wigan thing. Yeah, get a pucker pie down, yeah. A, a booker pie? Pucker. P-U-K-K-A. What is that? It's a meat pie. It's a brand of oh, meat pies. it's just a meat pie. Yeah, it's yeah. a brand of meat pies made in Wigan. You have it with gravy, not red sauce. Let's be clear. <laughs> I like a pie with no sauce. Just a pie. And <laughs> in their pre-escape interview, she reluctantly high-fives him for saying, you can't change the weather, but you can change your attitude. And then tells production not to put it in. So what do they do? They put, put it in. in. <laughs> it's the most lackluster high five I have seen for a while. <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't leave me on you. <laughs> and HQ find out that Mervyn was in Army Intelligence for 24 years, and now Sherlock really wants to catch him because he's the token former Army or former uh, police presence in the series. And as we know, that is 100% Sherlock's berserk button. I don't like that they're calling Sherlock Yes Boss. Instead of yes, chief. Or yes, Sherlock. Correct. Who do we need to to, to make it yes, Sherlock next year? <laughs> Something I haven't drawn attention to is the fact that he is listed as Sherlock on the Wikipedia page and has been for about six months now. 
And I do wonder who was the person who put that on there. Hmm. It wasn't me. Yeah, not going to mention any names whatsoever. <laughs> but it definitely mm. wasn't me. <laughs> I am quite surprised that nobody has removed the Sherlock off his Wikipedia page. <laughs> I mean, I'm really proud that evidently people love it enough that they just kind of skip over it and go, yeah, he is actually known as Sherlock. <laughs> yes. Yes. He also now follows me on Twitter. And Mervyn is trained in escape and evasion, and he wants to do everything he can to baffle them. I like that he said, you know, when he was going, he was going to go get the money, he actually said, oh, the hunters are monitoring my account, and they will ping that. So he's got the lingo down. Yeah. He's watched before, and he knows that the terms that they use is ping, and I love it. He's definitely going to be way more difficult than I think they anticipated to catch, because he is... A wily bastard. Yeah, and he's he's calm. He's been under pressure. He's not going to panic. He'll think things through and he'll set things up. He he, he probably will get caught, but um, but it'll be a good chase, and and he'll have made some good moves to get in there. I think. <laughs> and also, if SAS Sudes wins has taught me anything about escape and evasion, he has survived some heavy shit. Yeah, yeah. Like I watched that for the first time this year, and. It was terrifying at some points. Mm-hmm. I would not want oh. to do it. Ever. No, he, know, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's good. Yeah. So on day three, Mervyn uses the bus to go to the bank in Wells to get some money out, and HQ get the CCTV of him kind of wandering around looking aimless. And he seems to have bought a paper. Yes. How does he manage that? And more importantly, if Wells is as old as he's saying, how did he manage to find a spare Daily Mail anywhere? Wait a minute. Haven't you ever been on public transport where people just leave papers on the seats? Yeah. I think that's what's happened. He had it under his arm in Wells. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. He came out of the shop with it, and then he also read it mm-hmm. on the bus later. Mm-hmm. And presumably he must have used the fiver to, to pay for his bus fare. Or he brought his bus pass with him. Well, of course. Would he be allowed? I don't know. That was a, a theory I saw online that he brought his bus pass with him. Yeah, good point. Actually, he could have put it down his underpants. Yeah, he was it, I th- Yeah, I think he had something <laughs> in his hand when he got on the bus. And he says, "Please excuse my lack of sartorial elegance." And <laughs> looks for someone to drop him off at a bus stop on the way to Bristol. And HQ flood the area with hunters to try and find him. And Nicky is impressed that he managed to find an area where he could blend in. Steve has never seen a place with so many Panama hats. That was so funny. <laughs> Do you know what that reminded me of? Was um, like one of the tasks out of the mole, where, where where they have to find the right guy wearing the Panama hat. <laughs> it was just oh yes. Funny. So you're going into the town centre. You must speak to a man with a Panama hat. <laughs> he, he will tell you the information. <laughs> it was just so funny. It is a very spy thing to do to have a town full of a hundred people wearing Panama hats. Yeah, it was ace. But I do a couple of observations. Like, one, if you're looking for a man who's just taken money out of a Santander bank in Wells, why don't you go to the Santander bank and ask them? That would be a good starting point. Um, Secondly, how do you get money out of your account when you've got nothing with you? I would assume he just had to do security questions of some description, and he probably memorised his account number and everything. Yeah. He can, because my husband has done it here when... Something happened with his cards. He lost them. He, you can get money out without a card. Okay, that's cool. Third point: What's the deal with one hundred pounds? Oh, can't they only get one hundred and then another one hundred? Isn't that the limit? There's got to be a rule. There's a rule in play here because it's also the same amount that Dan got later from Gary. Mm. Yeah, because obviously they went on the run without any money or cards or anything. Therefore, there wasn't a card provided necessarily, which means there must have been an amount that was put into their account specifically that they weren't allowed to get any more than that on. Mm-hmm. But don't you, don't you remember in other seasons there was a limit? I thought it was 100 and then another 100. It was, but but that was like when they had access to cash cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had to do two withdrawals, and I think it was in 20s it had to be oh. for some reason. And I think last year was a hundred quid total, mm. actually, and it had to be in two withdrawals at least. Oh, maybe they can have more this time. Yeah, I don't know. And then Dan and Haley reach the outskirts of Wigan and aim to get their bags, and then head to the gym, get some money, so they don't have to use their contacts again. And Dan asked his neighbour Stu to grab their camping equipment and sends a friend to go and collect it off him, just as our hunter team gain access to Dan and Haley's home and go through their stuff. 
And in the moment I knew that would irritate Michelle intensely, Haley has so much crap in her handbag. <laughs> <laughs> and they also find loads of go-outdoors receipts which reveal what they've bought, including a six-pound sleeping mat, although they'll be freezing. Yeah, I mean, they, they showed you a few other things they bought. They spent 60 quid on rucksacks and six pounds on a sleeping bag. I think you got that the wrong way around, man. <laughs> spend, spend. And what the hell did they spend on a handbag? And they're getting a six-pound sleeping bag. They deserve all they get. I'm sorry. Spend the money on the thing that keeps you warm, guys. Also, I have another theory that they were probably given some sort of budget to buy this sort of stuff with. Mm-hmm. And they were probably given, like, 100 quid before the series. Then buy a five-pound backpack. To fit quality items into. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. That's probably why they've got the receipts. They've got to keep them back for expenses. The production company probably wants them. Yeah, but they're stupid enough to put them in plain sight rather than keeping them in a wallet. And HQ also find out what backpacks they'll be using because, as uh, you both said, they did identify the £60 backpacks. And hunters were there when their friend came back with the kits, which, for the first time ever actually proves that they're being honest rather than it being a little bit sort of sneaky editing. Mm-hmm. And then we get the Let the Games Begin from Dan, <laughs> which has been in every trailer since Celebrity Hunted and has made me laugh every single time I've seen it. Let the yeah. Games Begin! These guys are going to be brilliant and I'll, my only reservation is they've had so much airtime this week. What does that say? That they're probably the biggest characters of the series is it's my reading on it. Yeah, but doesn't necessarily mean they'll make it to the end, does it? Didn't Nick have a ton uh, of airtime in, in his series, though? Yeah, he did, actually. He did, yeah. They don't tend to hide their winners anymore. No. It, it, did, it did seem like it was remarkably focused on Dan Haley and, and Merv, though, this week. Normally we get a splattering of footage of the other guys, but there was virtually nothing. Um, when Dan said that was when they got their bags, wasn't it? Yeah. This is when they found out the hunters had been there. Yeah, and and he was saying they were one step ahead all the time, and he was standing at the door, and I was, and then the door opened behind him, and I thought, wouldn't it have been gold if one of the hunters had just walked in at that point just... to interrogate his friend? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and certified Michelle favourite, Doctor Donna suggests sending someone into Dan's gym to meet Gary, his business partner, and Gary is the person who's meant to be giving them money. And I noticed something at this point, which is that, given they had to go on the run with the clothes on their back, is it not a bit ironic for a personal trainer to be wearing a t-shirt with the logo of the Marvel character The Punisher on it? (laughs) It's kind of a bit too on the nose for a PT, that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It was a nicely edited sequence, this bit, where it felt like a bit of a cat and mouse. Especially when they decide to head to the Lake District with their friend and the route goes past the gym in Pemberton. She thinks it'll be too risky to jump in for cash and he might be getting a bit cocky. And he goes and does it anyway while wearing a harness with a GoPro on it. (laughs) (laughs) And then the big kind of cliffhanger, I guess, of their sequence is that the hunters come looking for Gary. They're told he's not in this gym. Fail. Yeah, they went to the uh, other gym. Of course. If you know there's two gyms, you send a hunter team to each one, surely. What are you doing, hunters? Come on, if we can see this, how are you not? Come on, this show is impossibly rigged for you. Why are you not taking advantage of it being rigged for you? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm warning you now, this is probably going to be a recurring joke for the entire series because it's really irritated me already. (laughs) And then the final sequence of the episode is Mervyn. And Sherlock notices the hat tip from Mervyn and realises there is a bigger plan in action. And he gets a bus out of Wells and says none of the people he's met are likely to turn him in. Because that is always the sentence that is immediately followed by the hunters finding someone to turn him in. And the episode ends with mm-hmm. Nicky finding out from the first couple that Mervyn asked for help that he was heading to Bristol. And he sat on the bus reading the Daily Mail with the front page, Battle to Get Brexit Done. Mm-hmm. Next time, Mervyn feels perfectly safe. HQ get eyes on on someone. Haley wants to quit, and Jill and Mark are five minutes away from Ella and Jess. Ooh. So, what did we think? I loved it. Yeah, I'm glad it's back. I mean, after five series, they've kind of got the openers down. They know exactly what beats they need to hit. If nobody gets caught on day one, they never eliminate anyone in episode one really anymore. No, there's no need, is there? It's more explaining the sort of people we're going to be introduced to this series. 
I, I just thought it was there was very very little other than the three main characters, which I'm sure I seem to recall. You normally get a little bit of backstory from everybody. Yeah, we got introduced to everyone, but we didn't really meet anyone much. No, little mm. bit of Ella and Jess, but not a lot, and nothing from Frankie and Dan at all. Next week there is at least a mention of Tony in the Radio Times description. Ella okay. and Jess are obviously in the preview, so we'll see a bit of them. And mm. then Merv... I don't think there's anything about Dan and Haley next week, so we might not see any of them. Okay. I think it's probably Merv, Tony, and Ella and Jess next week. Mm. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention the other show in the O'Learyverse, which is The Heist, because I have now seen all eight episodes of Series 2 of The Heist, and it was quite good. It was way better than Series 1. I was saying this to Ant before we probably started recording. Um, it's way better than Series 1. It does still start off a bit slow, but by kind of halfway through the series, you are very invested in these people. Although, I want Michelle to watch a particular episode because I know how frustrated she's going to get at a couple of people. <laughs> right. I haven't watched any yet. I need to watch it all. There's kind of a leap in logic in one of the episodes for two different people, and it's like, I really do not understand how that happened at all. Right. And the leap is not using a brain in particular, or is it just random, is it? I know if we podcasted about it, you'd be like, they are 100% <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but most importantly, in the final episode, they kind of show the Heist Facebook page. They've still got the wanted posters for the final three up on the Heist Facebook page. <laughs> oh, God. Guys, seriously, remove them. Only two episodes have aired in the UK so far. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, jeez. So, Hunted, who do you think is going to get caught next week, if anyone? And who are your win picks so far? Um, well, they didn't They didn't really show the girls sitting in the garden for next week, so I really don't think it's them. But, you know, it could be the two mummies boys, but we haven't really seen them. They could just be that. Actually, that could be their episode, and then they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, I would say whoever whoever features in the first 15 minutes of the next episode will probably be going home at the end of it. I think Merv is probably the most vulnerable from this episode. Yeah, but I think we've been painted a picture of, of a guy that we, we want to root for, so I can't see him going too early. I don't know. I think we'll, we'll get a capture by the end of the next episode. Um, I, I think it's going to be whoever features next week. Yeah, I think... Dan is probably winning. I don't know whether Haley will still be with him at that point or whether she will kind of sacrifice herself so she, so he can get away and she can, you know, have a shower. You just want that to happen. You want that to happen every series. You want them to split up and one of them make it. I know I say this every series, but they're the couple that I get the vibe from where they're probably going to split. Yeah. Especially as they are complete opposites. They obviously love each other very much and, you know, they are engaged now, but they are complete opposites and he looks like he's loving every second of being on the run and actually says at one point in the episode, I'd shovel human shit for 25 days to win 100 grand. Yeah. She looks like she's hating every second. She looks basically like I would if I was unhunted. <laughs> <laughs> she looks miserable to be out of the house. I would love it. I'd be like, Dan, come and get me. What can I do to the hunters? I know you would, Michelle, but they would never do it in Australia because, you know, everyone would just go to the back of beyond. I know. I'd just go to a hole somewhere, a wombat hole, and they'll never find me. <laughs> I love, actually, can I just say, the people that are on the hunted pages, like the fan pages, the random people who say, put me on, you'll never find me, I'm thinking, you're the person who's going to get found first. I'm sorry. You just, you don't look like the type who would have any idea and just, just get found. Yeah. I mean, for a start, they've always got massively wide-open social media accounts. So, yeah, sure. I've been trying to explain to people over the past few weeks why I would never want to do hunting. It's like, well, we know HQ listen to our podcast, or at least parts of HQ do. We also know that if my face and my name appeared on that board, they would put literally every hunter team to try and capture me, to prove a point. Plus you'd hate it. <laughs> and also I would hate every second of camping out or being on the run generally and the paranoia that would go with it. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking that at a certain point, like Mervyn has no social media presence, making it very difficult. And then you've got people who have the social media presence 
And yeah, you can find people out very quickly. And then there's someone like me whose social media presence is ridiculous. They'd never be able to pinpoint, you know, because I have the the survivor page and there's 12,000, no, there's now nearly 14,000 members on there. And I must know maybe about 50 of them quite well. I don't privately message them, but I could pretty much call on anyone to stay with. They'd have no hope of trying to make a, a list of associates for me. Mm. The thing that I think The Heist did really well is that there's the eight episodes, which is the actual series, and then there's a 15-minute behind-the-scenes doc on how they actually filmed it. And I think that works really well to stop people bitching and moaning on social media. Mm. Of like, mm. actually, this is how... This is how we do film it. It is very much above board. There is a cameo from friend of the podcast, Gold Command, Kevin O'Leary. Oh, really? I have to watch. Kevin gets um, gets a little segment about how, how he's the ref and what the rules actually are in terms of charging people. And I, it kind of quelled a lot of my, not suspicions, because I did feel a little bit like the sort of people who moan about hunting on social media when I was tweeting about the heist, but... Oh my god, no way. You felt like one of them. Yeah, because... I think my main problem with the heist is that we're used to HQ being, if not the heroes, the kind of likeable villains. Mm. Whereas I think the detectives, on the whole, there are a few exceptions, are a bit too mean and aggressive. Mm. And the reason I enjoyed this series so much more is because there's a couple of people in particular who really, really have it out for one of the more unlikable detectives and just kind of bitch about her to her face. And it's very funny. <laughs> So yeah, I would recommend The Heist. It is a little bit slow to begin with, because basically the entire first episode is just the actual heist taking place and introducing you to, to everyone. But it's worth persevering with in the second series, definitely. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll persevere. I've watched one. Anyway, anything else to say about Hunted? No, I'm just glad it's back. Yeah, I'm glad we're all back as a team. Yeah. Aww. I can't guarantee that it will be like that whole series because I do have a holiday in a few weeks, but you know, we'll be here as much as we can. <laughs> right. You just go off gallivanting around the world. It's not gallivanting. It's the fact that I'm going to the Vista Mall finale in, on March 14th, so... What you have to do. Yeah, it's I'm taking one for the team and, you know, going to a TV show finale. <laughs> flying to Amsterdam, you know, the huge. <laughs> mm, I'm thinking of flying to Melbourne to record an Amazing Race app. So that's only one day, though. So... Thank you for listening to our Hunted Recap. We will be back this time next week for another episode. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors. You can email us on contact at rtvwarriors.com. And Anthony is on Twitter at Bullsboy. Michelle's on Twitter at Bear3333333. And I'm MJ Hamstone. See you next week. But with that, your time in the run is over. Bye.